This is Real Sex with Dr. Noel. I'm Dr. Noel Pomeroy, a clinical sexologist and licensed mental health counselor. I'm going to be talking to guests about sex scenes from movies and TV that they find the most memorable. Maybe it's because it caused them to have a personal epiphany, or it could be a scene they've watched hundreds of times for research purposes, or it could be the first time they ever learned a single thing about sex. Let's find out. Today's guest is a jack of all trades, a great mom, a wonderful trivia team partner I can attest to, someone that knows more about makeup than any human. If Mr. L'Oreal is an actual man or Ms. Maybelline is an actual person, I think my guest gives them a run for their money as far as makeup knowledge is concerned. I think that's very, very generous, but I appreciate it. (laughs) And I will also caveat that my trivia knowledge is very, very specific to the years of 1997 until about, well, until now, but I know literally nothing before 1997. So that's where, uh, that's where you come in. Well, (laughs) because I'm old. Kate Baker, thank you very much for joining us. So 1997, why is that, why from there to now? What about it? Was that like, were you like, were you sleeping in some sort of living in a basement situation? And then like, a little bit, I, um, the, the <laughs> I grew up, I grew up pretty sheltered. Um, my parents were, I was not super exposed to a bunch of pop culture stuff. My parents weren't, I mean, they're, they're wonderful people. They're, I mean, the best, but I just was not super exposed to anything and w- lived in a bit of a, a bubble of a neighborhood with, you know, six other girls and just played with them. And none of us knew anything about pop culture. So I feel like 12 is about when I started like middle schoolish is when I started realizing like, oh no, I am sheltered. I don't know anything. And all of my other friends do. So that was kind of when I started. And obviously it was pre-internet, but kind of when I started like having this oh you gotta catch up, Kate. Like you gotta find out more about everything because you don't know anything. And you know what's interesting about 1997? It just so happens to be the year the very first movie we're going to talk about came out. The amazing, iconic Titanic. Uh-huh, that's correct. And so as part of my, like, Kate, you got you have to be cool. You have to figure out new pop culture stuff. I was desperate to see Titanic to the point where I remember lying to people about it and saying I had been to see it when I quite clearly had not, but everybody else had. So I just said I did. So I did a lot of, um, of begging and eventually my mom agreed to take me and my friend to Titanic, which Mm -hmm. was like, you know, about number six on the list of like things that like, number one, just let drop me and my friend off. Number two, like drop us off. And then you can like wait inside the mall or something like that. Like mm-hmm. my mom coming into the theater with me to watch Titanic was fairly low on like how this played out in my mind. Yeah. Um, but so be it. So my mom and my friend and I were watching Titanic. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, everybody had been talking about it for, this is obviously very formative in my life because I have very, very clear memories of all of this. <laughs> so we were talking about all, we were watching the movie my friends had all been talking about it for weeks. So I felt like I knew all of the big points, but I was 12 year old me watching, first of all, the scene where Kate Winslet 
takes all her clothes off and then he draws her. I was like, I was a fairly boy crazy child anyway, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that I knew what I was crazy for. Like, it was just Mm -hmm. like, I should feel crazy about boys, but I'm not sure why. And then I remember watching that and being like, oh, oh, like stuff, like there's stuff here. And then were you thinking maybe, maybe I want to be drawn like one of his French girls? Maybe? Like, I don't know. I was just like, I, it was like the pieces kind of came into place where I was like, I know that I should feel this way, but I don't know why. And then it was like Leonardo DiCaprio. And it was Mm -hmm. just, it was a lot for 12 year old me. And so that, and that was just the drawing scene. And then we got to the car scene and I was like, oh my God. And I wrote, so I distinctly remember being like having this, oh my gosh, like this is, I've heard about this, but I have never seen this much like And they don't even show anything. But I just remember being like, I have never seen so much before. And then I remember, I distinctly remember my mom taking her hand, reaching over and placing it over my eyes. And I was like, oh, and my friend is there with me. And it was just like, mom, it was mortifying. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in the scheme of things, that scene doesn't show a whole lot. So maybe your mom was anticipating it showing more because the scene is Rose and Jack running from the henchmen through like a storage <laughs> of the boat. Uh-huh. And they get into a, what looks like a Model T, an old Ford. Uh-huh. Pretends to be the driver. And then she drags apparently 104 pound Leonardo DiCaprio back through the window and they start making out. Mm-hmm. And all you know is it got steamy in there. And then at some right. point her hand the goes hand. on the window and Correct. drags down as if Correct. there was something enjoyable happening. Maybe a climax of sorts. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. A, because they don't show anything. B, because my mother put her hand over my face. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I would imagine in addition to wanting to see what you were seeing it was probably pretty humiliating to have your mom do that especially with your friend present correct it was Mm. so I feel like I and I you know this about me and I feel like many of my friends know this about me but I am like a a bit of a prude and I I do have a little bit of a hard time talking about it being open about sex stuff and it's um I don't know it's difficult for me and then I look back at stuff like that and I'm like I wonder if I Like it was so taboo growing up and like taboo enough for my mom to cover my eyes in the middle of, you know, not showing anything. So I look back and I'm like, I wonder if that's why I am so like, I don't know, it's just hard for me to talk about. I would say that's probably a pretty good conclusion that you're drawing there. Because if it comes- I'll accept my PhD now. (laughs) Yeah, that we don't, if you don't talk about it and then when you do see it even suggested, you're not allowed to watch it. It gives the impression- and the implication is, is that this is improper. This is not something yeah. we do. It's, this is super, super private, which yeah. it's, it is, but right. the message can be that it's almost that it's wrong. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of it, you know, it, I don't know. There's obviously some underlying issues here. And I, I, I had to trace it back to one thing. It would be 1997 watching Titanic in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so moving on from Titanic to this one here is perhaps, it's definitely my top five favorite television shows of all time, mm-hmm. if not the top. Fleabag mm-hmm. from Amazon Prime aired in 
2016 and 2017, and it's two six-episode seasons. Mm -hmm. Tell me what it is about Fleabag that had you bring it up today. Okay, so it is, I mean, putting everything else aside, it is probably, it is probably my favorite show that's ever been made. It mm -hmm. is so well done and so clever. And so Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote it and she is just, and she also stars in it. And she's just, her writing's amazing. Her acting's amazing. I'm gushing, but it was just, she's just really good at what she does. And so the whole show is just her and she's kind of this sad person or she's just having a hard time figuring life out. Um, and so the first season- I think we could probably and, efficiently or effectively say that she's kind of a fuck up, especially in yeah. season one. Yeah, correct. Well, so I was going to say, season one is basically just a timeline of like fuck up after fuck up after fuck up. Yeah. Um, but she's really honest about it kind of. And I don't know. It's just, it's so, I, it's hard to watch almost sometimes because it's so fucked up, but mm -hmm. she's just really good. So the first season sets the scene. And then the reason I brought it up today is the second season. And so the second season is where the sexy priest comes into play. And he, so the sexy Did priest. Did you say you know sexy what? priest? I said sexy priest. Uh, okay. Go. I just want to make sure for those people that aren't familiar with the flea bag, that they know that you said sexy priest. I did say sexy priest. And, I and don't when we say sexy priest, we mean sexy priest. Well, and I think that the reason it's so much is because the chemistry between Phoebe Waller-Bridge and this actor, do you know his name off the top of your head? I can't remember. It's Anthony something, I think. Andrew? Andrew. Blank. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think he was been in it. He, I think he won an Emmy for it. He, I don't know. I don't know. He was in Sherlock, him. the BBC series. Oh, okay. And well, he other just has, he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, their chemistry is just off the charts. It's Andrew they, Scott. Andrew Scott. Thank you. It's yes, just like. Their chemistry is through the roof. I don't like it. Looking at him, I don't know if I would be like, that's the best looking man I've ever seen. I wouldn't think that. Mm -hmm. But he just together, they're just amazing. So they have a couple of scenes of like, she meets him, but obviously he's a priest, but they kind of become friends and there's some flirting going on. And then the reason I brought this up is the fourth episode. She has this monologue where she talks about how much she's uh, struggling and she just wants somebody to be able to tell her what to do. She just wants somebody to like make all the decisions in her life. And, you know, it's just struggling with day-to-day, -day, you know, being an adult, which I feel like we can all kind of relate to. Sure. So it's just this really open and vulnerable moment that she has. And she's like really emotional. So, oh, I'm sorry. She's in a confessional. Yeah, but so we should have a, definitely I should, have, I should have set the scene here. So she's in the confessional. He's on the other side. Like he's in the priest side. She's in the like person confessing side. I'm not Catholic. I don't know if there's an actual name for those things, but she is having this monologue. It's amazing. And then there she finishes. And then there's like, a little bit of a silence and then he says kneel and then she's kind of like what what did he just say and then he says it again so she says okay so she is in the booth and she kneels and then so this whole season there's been this build-up and every time something happens with the priest there's like this chorus like this choir music so phoebe waller bridge after she says this he says kneel she kneels and then all of a sudden he opens the curtain and then the, all of the like chorus music that there's been this buildup to comes on and then he kneels too. And like, she's looking up at him and then he kneels and then they just start kissing. And mm -hmm. it is 
like, I mean, they're just kissing and it is the hottest thing. It's the hottest 30 seconds of television, I feel like. And that might be an exaggeration, it seems, but it is not, in my opinion. <laughs> it is super duper hot. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree 100%. And I want to ask you, Kate, I hope you don't mind me revealing this about you, but you have strong feelings about being with someone that's taller than you. I do. And Andrew Scott is shorter than Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Did that bother you in that scene? It bothered me and that I recognized it and then immediately was like, and it's funny you said that because I just rewatched the scene before we did this to like, well, first of all, because I like it. And second of all, because I was like, just wanted to be sure what I was talking about. And I even had that thought where I was like, man, he's kind of short. And then I was like, doesn't fucking matter. Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like, look at this. So I, I hear what you're saying, but in this case, it did not, it did not affect uh, how I felt about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things that's so appealing about his character, in addition to being cute, he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. open insightful he see he's the only person that's able to tell that she talks to the camera mm-hmm. and uh, that's a whole oh. thing to watch the show so yeah. he's something in her that no one else sees and he can kind of see in her mm-hmm. and I feel like as a viewer that's kind of it almost made me feel vulnerable maybe that's yeah. about how much I was connecting with Fleabag herself. <laughs> I, I understand that though. I think that too, he also, you know, she has a lot of people in her life that spend a lot of time trying to fix her, but don't actually talk to her and aren't actually interested in her. And he's like super interested in her, not just on like a, you know, let's make out level, but even before in the episodes before mm-hmm. is just interested in what she has to say and finding out why she feels, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's all, it's, all just an incredible turn on. Yeah. And one of the things that some people who critiqued the show after this particular episode aired was they didn't like the power dynamic that played out in the scene with him telling her to kneel and, you know, him walking from his part of the priest shed. I don't know what it's called. (laughs) Did you just say priest shed? The wooden structure that's confessional, I think it's called, and comes over to her and tells her to kneel. And do you have any thoughts or concerns about the the power dynamic between the two of them? I mean, I get it, I guess. But it's also, you know, if he had said kneel and then opened the thing and was like, you know, taking his pants off or I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. it would be different. And I could see the critique there, but it just wasn't. And when he like, when he says kneel, it's kind of like, what next? And then he kneels too. And it's kind of like that whole power dynamic is out the window because they're, you know, they're on the same plane at that point. And one of the reasons that it didn't bother me so much that I didn't even see the power dynamic is she's not one of his congregants. She doesn't even believe Mm. in God. So they're solely friends. He does not have any sort of power over her in any scenario. Yeah. So he might have power over other people in his church, but not her because she doesn't belong to his church. And I didn't even think of that power dynamic as far as like him being a, you know, godly man that she would look up to because it's just, that's not, she doesn't feel that, like you said, she doesn't feel that way at all. So it's Mm -hmm. just not a, I don't know. It's not that dynamic. Yeah. So there's another scene that's also very uh, 
awesome hot kissing scene in episode six that you wanted to talk about. Can you tell us a bit about that? I feel like that I'm revealing too much about myself and that I'm like, here are 45 seconds cumulative of TV that is just two people kissing. That is like the, the, the biggest turn on in television that I have ever watched. And I'm like, Kate, that's so lame, but it's so good. And I feel like anybody who watched it will be like, "Mm, that was pretty hot. So there's Mm -hmm. a scene in the last episode where there is, there's an event going on and they're both attending the event. And so she is, they're outside and she's standing there and he, they're talking about something, but just like logistical kind of, and then he starts walking by her. And then all of a sudden he like turns around really quick and she's standing up against a wall and he like pushes her up against this wall. And it's like, they make out and it's this like messy, ugly making out, but it's just 15 seconds of like, oh my God, it's really good. Yeah. Just the, again, their chemistry is just so good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think can be what I like about you talking about these kissing scenes, particularly in Fleabag, because I'm such a huge fan, is there are even a really well done kissing scene to me can be better more than a lot of sex scenes because oftentimes sex scenes are so orchestrated and it doesn't seem like there's as much passion but a really good kissing scene I don't know can just transport you like uh, the first time Jess and Nick kiss on new girl (gasps) oh my gosh I love it I feel like you've found this thing about me that's like oh great (laughs) (laughs) Kate really just likes kissing scenes (laughs) <laughs> but yeah that one when he grabs her arm and they like she's about to walk away in new girl she's about yeah. to walk away and then they kiss for the first time it's so good yes and in that per- scene in particular what I like is his character is so kind of goofy and mm-hmm. passive and doesn't really have his stuff together but he knows in that second he pulls her in and he is very dominant in that scene mm-hmm. but I was just gonna say I feel like kissing is maybe harder to authenticate you know you can't like you can film a sex scene from a million different ways and you don't necessarily have to show chemistry and you don't have to show you know that it's passionate or anything like that because you're only showing certain angles but I feel like when you're showing a kissing scene if it's going to be good it is obviously good or it's obviously not and Mm -hmm. those those are a couple of really good ones for me the next thing we wanted to talk about is a show that you and I both have watched Mm -hmm. on Hulu came out in 2020 called Normal People. Mm-hmm. It is a show about, it was based on a book about two high schoolers in Ireland, uh, Marianne and Connell. She's mm-hmm. sort of an outcast. I don't know if a nerd is really the way to explain it. And he is a cool guy. And they start having sex and then they eventually fall in love and it's about their relationship yeah. over probably like three or four years I think that's like- I thought it was a lot longer than that like 10 years or something like that it but might be because they start early and if I remember so I read the book first and I think at least in the book maybe in the tv show too her mom was like his house cleaner do you remember that his mom is her house cleaner yes oh okay because okay. her mom is a very wealthy attorney okay but that's how they they met you know, fairly early, I think in high school. And that's mm-hmm. when this whole thing started for them. And so it is basically just two kind of damaged people for different reasons and, um, and how they have sex and then keep having sex on and off for, like you said, a number of years. 
Yes. And when I watched this show, I had an unusual reaction to the sex scenes in that I don't normally find sex scenes in movies. Like I said, I, I'm more into kissing mm-hmm. scenes. Sex, mm-hmm. I don't find them particularly hot. I think a lot of times because there's nine times out of 10 clearly directed by a man. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. So there's a lot of gawking at the woman's body. Yes. In the way it's shot. But normal people was very steamy. And it turns out it's one of the first mainstream productions that used an intimacy coordinator. And she's apparently like the best in the business and was present to like basically choreograph thoroughly all these sex scenes and explaining all the motivation. And I feel like you can really tell. Yeah. I think you and I, if I remember, it was early in the pandemic and everybody was at home and we were all texting about what we were watching on TV because it was like, oh no, it was end of times. And so I think you and I were texting about this and it was like, oh my gosh, it was really, really um, well done. Like the sex scenes and the sexual tension and the chemistry was just really good. Mm -hmm. I remember it being, you know, mentionable or memorable enough that you and I talked about it. And I think we could try to convince some of the other trivia ladies to watch it too, but I don't think anybody I know at least one of them has. Oh, they did? Okay. Yes. I just remember us like, this was one of the very few, you know, well done sex scenes and continuously well done sex scenes on TV. Right. Because there's there's several sex scenes that they have throughout the series. I know there's one, I think it's their second one. And everyone's hair is a mess. She's sweating. And Mm -hmm. it's so real because she looks like if I, I, you know that she's on top of him Uh but until you can actually see, like you're thinking, is she riding a bike? Was she like doing Nordic track? Like what's going on? (laughs) Oh no, she's writhing up and down because she's, she, I mean, and, and sex is an aerobic activity Uh if done in a certain way, right? (laughs) It can either be starfish position or an aerobic oh activity. <laughs> I don't remember that exact scene. I wish I did now. I watched a couple of clips for this, but I don't know if I watched that one. Mm-hmm. And it, the very first time that Connell and Marianne have sex, and this is why I like it from, a, I believe it to be a woman's perspective, at least maybe the photographer or the director, is Marianne takes off her clothes or mm-hmm. her top. And so she's kind of bare-breasted. And he kind of admires her look with his eyes. And mm-hmm. then he takes off his shirt and he has a very nice body. And she kind of goes, whoa. And it, as the viewer, I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I thought how nice for once that we're actually like admiring yeah. both bodies. Ogling a, a man's body as opposed to just the woman's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do distinctly remember there being, I don't know which episode it was, but I do remember along the lines of, you know, looking at it from a women's perspective or a woman's perspective as well. I do remember there was a scene where they were in, I think they were in bed, but there was like very obviously an outline of like his penis at one point. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? And it was like- Oh, there's definitely full frontal when he's laying in bed after um, sex. One. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember that and being like, yeah. there's not, you don't see that a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things I really like about the first time that they're having sex is they're, have, you know, they're kissing, they're making out, 
and then they stop so he can go get a condom so they actually stop uh-huh. he condom he puts it on he's talking to her and then he asks her if it's her first time and she says it is and then he says okay well if it's uncomfortable I can stop and I feel like in movies and tv what happens so often is that there's first of all they never show someone putting right. on a condom right and then it seems like there's sex and then while they're laying there the woman will be like this was my first time yeah and so I thought it was appropriate given their age and how much he clearly did care about who she you know who yeah. she was how she felt that he inquired and I like I like that you don't see it a ton I think that's going to be one of those things that becomes like that's a very you know up to date perspective to show and I feel like all of these scenes where it's you know they don't show that and it's just like them having sex and they don't talk about you know consent and condoms and everything like that and all the the reality of it I feel like the opposite of that what you just described will hopefully become more and more normalized you know as I don't know people talk about that now and it wasn't something that people talked about 20 years ago Mm -hmm. yeah it's a, it's a good show. I recommend if you are looking for a, a show to binge, Normal People or Fleabag, both of which uh, it probably not great if you have a younger kid that watches shows with you. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, I was the other night, it was, I don't know, nine o'clock and I thought the kids were in bed. So I, I was looking for something to watch and I didn't have anything new. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do, I knew I was going to talk to you. And I was just like, I'm just going to do like a comfort rewatch of Fleabag. So I, I turned on Fleabag. So I'm in the living room. The kids are upstairs. The very first scene in Fleabag is her getting, I think they're having sex from behind or something. It's like, it's very, very graphic. And so then like, next thing I know, one of the kids came out from upstairs and was like asking about water. And I was like, no, turn off the TV. And I was like, oh, I can't nice things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kate, thank you so much for being on the show really great having you here. If anyone wants to make any recommendations or tell someone, if you liked this episode or one of our episodes, tell your friends. That's the only way we can kind of keep going. Real Sex with Dr. Noel. You can find us on social media at Real Sex Pod, R-E-E-L Sex Pod, or you can always email us at realsexpod at gmail.com. Kate, you're the best. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks. This has been another episode of Real Sex with Dr. Noel. Feel free to turn up the lights. Or not.